When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. we got a great show for you guys today. We're talking prospects. We're talking broadcast changes. We're talking an Eric Carlson setback season. Listen, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat. For those of you that like both the, the Penguins and the Steelers, we're hoping this is a nice relaxing podcast to get you back on even ground after whatever happened on Monday night. Not sure how to uh, describe it. Somebody said tire fire on Twitter. Uh, I think that's probably the best way. I think it was Penguins Jesus that actually said tire fire. So uh, probably apropos there, but we're here to talk Penguins, Horwat. We're here to to distance ourselves other than the, the Steelers shirt that I have on that you can check out on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. We're here to talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins and talk about the prospects to start because I think this is the first time, I don't know if it's because of the way the offseason went, but this is the first time that I've seen this much interest in the prospects challenge. Do, do you agree with that or do you think that it's just elevated on my part because I'm I'm more aware of everybody getting excited about the start of hockey? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. The The... <laughs> The Penguins' prospects have traditionally not been great. We all understand this. They've largely been put at the bottom of these rankings, at least more recently. Uh, whereas this season, they are still near the bottom. But uh, the Penguins and the and the fans are definitely more in tune with certain guys that they have and uh, hopeful with a top couple of few. And the Penguins are proud of their top guys for sure. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And they managed to show up in those last few games. Uh, also, maybe it could just be the fact there was um, a version of NHL hockey being played after a long offseason. Uh, yeah. It's after a longer offseason than normal for these Penguins and for their fans. So maybe that may have had a played a role as well. But you know what? I can see where you're coming from. It de- there's definitely an increased interest in definitely the top guys, at least. Definitely the top handful of names in the prospects pipeline that uh, were on the ice in Buffalo for three games and two of them definitely at least looked pretty solid. Yeah. And I would even venture to say that even in that first game, there were a lot of things you could take away from and say, okay, there's something to build off of. Okay. There's something that I like 
in the prospect system with these players, but let's get into it right now. Obviously, the Penguins, like you mentioned, finished with a 2-1 and record. They started with a 4-2 to loss to the Boston Bruins on Friday afternoon, followed that up with an 8-3 to win on Saturday over the Ottawa Senators, and a 3 to nothing win last night against the host Buffalo Sabres, and really just Zach Benson and his band of merry men. Zach Benson, first of all, before we get to the Penguins, that kid has a motor. Now, I see why Penguins fans wanted to see him drafted because he was available almost when the Penguins were up. He was taken, I think, two picks before the Penguins went at, uh, at what do what they pick, 14th overall or 15th overall, wherever they p- ended up picking. It's It's been a while. It's been a long <laughs> summer, like you mentioned. Uh, instead, they take Braden Yeager. He does get on the board for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I think that was one of the top storylines throughout the weekend is the top players they performed as expected, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it was a slower first game, but going into the second and third game, it was all upwards, all upward momentum from there. Sam Poulin had a couple of tallies and um, throughout the two games. Jaeger himself picked up a couple, uh, and even Joel Blomquist, who didn't play in the second game, but played the full third, uh, pitched a shutout. I forget what the save number was, but it was something impressive, and he looked... Pretty common net, especially after giving up uh, an early couple of goals in the first game and then shutting it down for the rest of the tournament for him. Um, those are all things to be looking to, as especially when it comes to Poulin. I mentioned this last episode. Someone who could genuinely fight for a roster spot at this upcoming camp. Mm. Um, he needed to have a good tournament. He needs to have a good camp and a good preseason to... Uh, make his mark on the team and he's already started that with a uh, pretty solid camp his goal in the second game was nifty and also the Sabres were and this may have also hampered them a little were without another one of the top prospects I cannot remember his name Matthew Savoy Savoy got hurt on that play just seconds into the game uh, yeah which it, it like listen it's one thing to get hurt in you know preseason game or late training camp it's another to get hurt in the prospects tournament you have to feel for that kid and uh yeah the buffalo sabers i mean who knows where he was going to go this year but he was actually seeking exemption exemption to play at the ahl with the rochester americans like they they were at the point i think it's him and there's one other player i can't remember who it is it's slipping the top of my mind that are seeking exceptions this year because you know they could go back to juniors but at their junior programs are like at the shane wright is the other one they're saying what is maybe not Shane Wright? They're saying, what is the point of having this player here? There's nothing more that they can do in the CHL. Mm-hmm. Send him to the AHL. So Matthew Savoy was one of those players seeking exception or exemption or whatever it is. Uh, but he was he was scheduled to potentially uh, start the season with the AHL. So unfortunate that that happened. Obviously, he ran into Jagger Joshua, who is another name that a lot of Penguins fans have started clamoring about after this weekend. The guy is uh, he's a menace. I, I mentioned it. Uh, yesterday on Penguins to go. So again, another name that going into this weekend, very few people had actually talked about. And now there's a lot of people clamoring to watch Jagger Joshua at the AHL level this year. It's going to be exciting again to watch the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins for him. But one player I do want to talk about a little bit more, and he probably won't be on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins this year, is Braden Yeager. Like you said, pair of goals this weekend. The one on on Monday was absolutely beautiful. Breakaway goal, puts it top shelf, absolutely embarrasses the Buffalo Sabres goaltender. He showed off that rocket wrist shot that has really been in the scouting report since the Penguins drafted him. Uh, Didn't really connect as much as you'd hope, but there were a couple times you saw it and you're like, man, once 
he starts to get that in the zone, it's going to be a tough shot to stop. And then I think generally the the important thing with Braden Yeager over the weekend is whenever he was on the ice, you could tell that he was generally always one of the either the best or the second best player on the ice for either team. Yeah, it was pretty easy to see him <clears throat> while he was out there. He was noticeable. He was in the plays. And, you know, once he starts finding that space, starts getting to open areas and playing with professional players, sometimes the timing just is a little off whenever you're all, you know, not acquainted with playing at a professional speed. Once things start lining up for him, he will be a scary good player. Um, and scoring goals like that in a prospect tournament, those are what you're going to get a lot of. Whenever it comes to, um, like I said, just these young guys that aren't fully acquainted with the speed of the game or their mm-hmm. systems that they're in, they're going to get some breakdowns. But I uh, uh, almost forgot his name. Jaeger's goal on Monday. It was just an uh, an incredible front to front to end uh, play from him, creating the turnover in his own end, and then just f- winning the foot race, winning mm-hmm. the foot race through the neutral zone and into the offensive end too then create his chance. That's the kind of thing you're going to see a lot of from him, and you're going to need to see more of it. I mean, he's he'll, maybe he'll play a preseason game or two, but uh, he'll be something to keep an eye on in juniors with. Don't remind me. Remind me. I forget his team now. The Moose Jaw Warriors. Moose Jaw Warriors. Yeah, in the WHL. Yeah. It'll be yeah. impressive. So, yeah, the one thing I do say about that, that goal that he scored, and again, we're, we should have prefaced this, you know, five minutes ago with, it's the prospects challenge. Don't take anything from this weekend and say it is it is gold. They're going to be a Hall of Famer, but these are all good signs and these are things you wanted to see this past weekend and things that you did see. So it's a good thing. So we're commending it. Braden Yeager on that goal on Monday. Something that we've seen players of that skill set do when they have that type of shot is stop up and just shoot the puck or just try to just try to fire it past the goaltender. He drove to the net. And that's something that, from a young age, you like to see from your your forwards, especially the ones that are supposed to be the guys that score multiple, multiple goals, and the guys you brought in to be goal scorers, to see him drive the net the way that he did, attack the goaltender the way that he did, uh, is a positive sign. So I, I loved what I saw from Braden Yeager in his first appearance as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Um, same goes for Joel Blomqvist, obviously not his first appearance as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Uh, you mentioned that he was sharp on Monday. He was sharp on Friday uh, as well after that first minute goal he allowed. It was a little shaky, but even that was something that J.D. Forrest, who was behind the benches for the Pittsburgh Penguins, he's the AHL coach for the Penguins, he said on Thursday at practice, he said, you know, one of the things he's going to have to get used to is there's a lot of bigger bodies. There's a lot more traffic in front of him, and that's something that's going to have to, you know, take a little bit for him to get accustomed to 30 seconds in the first game, the Boston Bruins, they play that style of game and, and that happens. But I think from that point on, you just saw him get more and more comfortable. The five on three that the Penguins killed off on Friday, he was terrific in that shorthanded opportunity. And at the end of the day, he finished the tournament one and zero with a nine fifty eight save percentage in the two games that he played. You, you can't say anything more than he just got better and better throughout the tournament. And I've, I've talked at nauseum. I, I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about Yoel Blomqvist. So uh, what were your thoughts on the Penguins netminder? Looked good. He looked calm. He looked like not a kid in there. And that's usually where you have to be at this stage of your development, right? You, do, you don't, because early on, whenever you are just getting drafted and starting out your progression with the team, a lot of times you can tell they look like children still. 
<laughs> Joel Blomquist, at least at bare minimum, looks like an adult in that net. He looks like he's confident and uh, able to be a big league goalie. And not that mm-hmm. you know where he was playing before wasn't big leagues. It's just now you're transitioning to the North American ice. You had your couple of reps in Wilkes-Barre last year. It's time to find that progression and completely stake your claim into this team. It's uh, his time to absolutely shine and on North American ice. I was, I think he's starting yeah. over here. Yeah, he's finally yeah. going to be over full time. So we'll see where it goes. Don't expect to see him in the NHL anytime soonish, unless hell breaks loose. But um, you know, next year is going to be a big year for him. It's quite possible that's when we start to see him. Uh, but. He's got still a lot to learn, but he's looking really good and really smart and really confident, which is the biggest thing that you can notice in a goalie is how confident he looked in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mentioned it on Friday because I did a deep dive, or not that deep of a dive, but I talked a lot about Yo Blongfist, especially heading into the Prospects Challenge because that's the number one guy I wanted to watch. Uh, I wanted to see how he handled uh, this tournament how he handled this environment with the team that he had in front of him. And I said, best case scenario for the Penguins is by the end of next season, he comes up and is ready to be your 1B behind Tristan Jari. And then you can run a tandem of a young goaltender and Blomqvist that's going to be on a rookie deal and Tristan Jari, who's going to be on year two of a five-year deal. And then at the end of the following season, you can make a decision. Blomqvist, what do you sign him to? And you have two years left to Tristan Jari. So uh, that's the best case scenario. I, I think at the end of the day, Blomqvist looked really good. It's going to be something to keep an eye out for because there's a lot of goaltenders that are going to demand ice time at the AHL level. Maybe they start him at the ECHL level. I don't know if, if they would do that with Blomqvist. I think maybe Taylor Gauthier ends up getting called down uh, to Wheeling because he did play you know half the season there last year. But you also have Magnus Helberg. You have Garrett Sparks. Who knows where he's going to go? He signed a minor league mm-hmm. deal. Uh, so there's a lot of goaltenders in the system. You would have to imagine the Penguins are going to find ways to get Joel Blomqvist work, uh, especially at an AHL level, considering he was playing in the top finish league last season. You would assume that he would need to start at the AHL level because that's the level of play that's that's next in his progression. Yeah, it's but, um, what he's ready for. Yeah, so uh, somebody to keep an eye out for, certainly as training camp gets started in two days, uh, which we didn't even mention off the top. Two days. Uh, training camp gets started. I'm sure we'll start to see uh, picture days probably either today or tomorrow. Physicals, you know, testing, all of that is starting in the next day or so. And then, of course, on the ice on Thursday, the 21st. But before we had to break, I wanted to ask you this. Which prospect opened your eyes the most this past weekend? Oh, see, that's I'm going to have a couple here that are uh, obvious choices. Um Obviously, Poulin and Jaeger come to mind right away because they needed to show up in a pretty big way, and they did. Uh, Joel Blomquist is another one. Had to impress and look confident, and he did. Um, those are the three easy ones, I feel like. Uh, whereas yeah. guys like Jagger Joshua snuck into the uh, stuck in, stuck into the brains of Penguins fans. Uh, here's the thing about Jagger Joshua, though. Don't expect to see him literally anytime soon. <laughs> as fun as he is, uh, we're... And, you know, fans will get up in arms about the pests on in the lineup. I don't know if he's actually someone who cracks the lineup anyway. There's already so much of a, we'll use these guys first before we get to someone like that in this on this team. That it's gonna it's gonna be hard for him to really uh, progress up and fire up the cannon immediately into the lineup. But uh, hey, you know what? The fact that he 
proved to bring some sort of, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's a need, but he proved to bring some sort of need to the team. Uh, that mm-hmm. could be uh, useful down the line. But also, Dylan Hamaliuk, uh from uh, a genuine throw-in piece to the Eric Carlson trade. <laughs> uh, still young, though, in, as a prospect. Scored a couple of goals in that blowout over Ottawa, but uh, is a name that you heard pretty often. Or I guess there wasn't a call in that game. But you saw him around the puck pretty often in that game. And yeah. um, I think he played in the ECHL last year. I can't remember exactly where his progression is. He did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but who knows what he can do down the line. It's always good to have another name that you can look forward to. Not saying he'll mm-hmm. you know, be a top-line NHL player, but uh, maybe a useful piece in a year or two. Yeah. Another name I wanted to mention is somebody that the Penguins selected in the sixth round this year, and that's Cooper Foster. Uh, I think on the puck, he looked really good. Off the puck, I'd have to watch again uh, because, you know, it's tough when two of the games you don't have commentary, Mm -hmm. and the third game is Sabres commentary. So often they don't mention the Penguins player that has the puck or is playing without the puck. Um, But no, Cooper Foster, I thought, you know, he jumped off the screen, and that's all you're looking to do if you're a prospect, particularly if you're not one of the first-round prospects. You're looking to separate yourself a little bit. Uh, I thought Cooper Foster did just that, but I think the player that opened my eyes the most, and again, it's the player that I probably knew the most about going into this, and that is Sam Poulin. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might be an easy answer, but here's the thing. I said this last week. The best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Penguins is that Sam Poulin progresses to the point where by the end of the season, he's your third-line center, and he's graduated from the prospect ranks, and he is the everyday third-line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, this was just prospects challenge so I'm not saying that hey he's ready but I'm saying he is well on that path if he continues to look the way he did I mean the way he plays down low I think is the biggest thing for me because we always knew Sam Poulin has a good shot we always know that he has a knack for scoring goals we we always thought that maybe he should be doing it a little bit more at the level that he's at at this point uh, especially since he was drafted in 2019 and now it's 2023 but I like the way that he plays. He's big body. He's a moose, as J.D. Forrest said on Thursday. And he's just a guy that's tough to play against. And that's what the Penguins need. A guy that's tough to play against. That can fill the back of the net when need be. And that is just a smart third-line center type player. And I think that's what Sam Poulin is starting to look like more and more as time goes on. The question coming into this year was, how's his conditioning? Where's his progression at after taking that time off last year? And as far as we've seen so far, and it's, again, small sample size, prospects challenge. But from what we've seen so far, Poulin looks to be on a really good track to start the season. They look, the team looks to be really confident in him, too. I mean, yeah, yeah he looks like he's back on track after taking his time off. He looks to be, he looks like, he, he doesn't look like he missed a step during that time off. And the great part is that the team is confident in him. I mean, sure, take everything you say from these from this prospect tournament the greatest. So he was killing penalties, though. That's the one thing I want to mention. Mm-hmm. And I said that I said this on Twitter, and I know you know exactly where I'm going with this. Not only was Sam Poulin killing penalties, which if he's the third line center on the Penguins, he's gonna have to do. Yes, Crosby and Malkin aren't killing penalties. Crosby has Malkin never. No, <laughs> Malkin's usually taking penalties, not killing them. But Sam Poulin, not only is he killing a penalty. This guy is in his third prospects challenge. This guy is somebody who, for all intents and purposes, 
probably didn't need to play in this game if he wouldn't have taken the time off last year and they just want to see him get more more time, more ice time, more challenges. Not only is he out there killing penalties, without a stick, he is blocking shots. Without a stick, he is diving mm-hmm. to get clears, diving at Zach Benson when he had the puck to get clears. It's that type of effort that not only is like, oh, okay, I'll mark that down. That's the type of effort that you're saying, that's what we want. Yeah, That's what we want. In a game that, in, in the grand scheme of things, I know Sam Poulin is fighting to become an NHLer, and there is always stakes when that's involved. But it's a relatively low-stakes game. Yeah, And the Penguins are already up 2 to nothing in the third period of a prospects challenge. You're probably already thinking, okay, i got to get back to Pittsburgh. you got to get ready for weigh-ins. got to get ready for testing. got to get ready for camp. That's where, where it's really going to be rubber meets the road. He's blocking shots. He's diving around. Doesn't have his stick. He's trying to make a play. And at the end of the day, he was a positive impact all weekend. And that's something that is going to stick with Kyle Dubas, who I'm sure was in attendance, with Mike Sullivan, who I'm sure was in attendance, with... Mike Vellucci, who I'm sure was in attendance, and certainly with Mike, or not Mike, J, a lot of Mikes, but this isn't J.D. Forrest, who's going to be his head coach to start the season. Yeah, it, it, all those guys were there for sure. Um, and you mentioned the thinking about what's next in the next in the you know the off season. That's what the Sabers commentary was talking about. That's what it looked like. A lot of the Sabers were in the middle of doing just you know not phoning it in, but just calling it a day, getting ready for what's next hoping no one else gets hurt because again they missed out on their guy the entire game um, whereas the penguins were driving the entire game front to back uh, the full 60 on the puck hard nose all of that and as for pool i don't want to draw him directly in comparison to uh daniel sprung but what was one thing about daniel sprung that never made him crack the nhl lineup or really succeed here he didn't like that he wasn't playing at the top level on both sides of the puck. Now, Daniel Sprong has gone on to be just a great fourth-line player who maybe his defense has come along, haven't paid full, that much attention, but his scoring has definitely found a touch, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, they, But that was one thing that he couldn't break out in the Penguin system with is because Mike Sullivan and his crew didn't like that he wasn't fully set defensively. Pull in, they're driving it home. It looks to be that he's getting there a lot quicker. And like I said, if he's killing penalties, he has a prospect challenge, but they still have the prospect challenges where you don't kill penalties at all. I don't think <laughs> that's where it's just kind of, you know, throw it all against the wall, see what happens. You didn't have to put him out there to kill penalties. You could have just said he's only going to be out there for offense because that's what he can bring. No, he's now bringing defense as well. You're out there to bring the to put out the best of your abilities in every situation. If they're mm-hmm. throwing pulling out during penalty kills, that shows that they have confidence in his defensive ability considering he was the first line center for the second two games. I mean, everyone else on that roster wasn't... I mean, other guys were obviously killing penalties, but that means other names weren't. So they have that confidence in him to play all facets of the game. But again, when was the penalty? The last five minutes of the third period in a two-goal game. Yeah, (laughs) he was doing it all tournament, but that one specifically, yes. Yeah, that one specifically. To deploy him there shows you... Yes, this is a concerted effort to get Sam Poulin on the ice in a penalty kill situation because that's what the Penguins are going to need him to do once it gets to the NHL roster. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, some of our colleagues, some of our colleagues need a need a talking to. We'll, we'll talk about why after the break.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, where I'm just in such a good mood because I watched three hockey games in the past four days, and training camp starts in two days. It's a great time. By the way, shout out to you for bringing up Dylan Hamiluk, because uh, our buddy Gomes was in uh, the comment section yesterday saying, do we have any idea uh, about this guy? Do we have any information about this guy? Uh, not, much, not much, but there's a little bit. There's a little bit uh, for you, Gomes, but like... Like we always say, if you have a question, if you have a concern, let us know in the comments. Let us know on Twitter. We'll get to it. We, we haven't done a listener question in a while, so if you have a question, send one to us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter or just leave one in the comments of this video here. But, Horwat, I ended the last segment talking about our, our, our colleagues over at the Hockey News. Of course, Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by InsideThePenguins.com, who is a proud affiliate of the hockey news and they're releasing their annual predictions that come out based on 34 of the writers uh, around THN Eric Carlson everybody's excited about Eric Carlson everybody thinks that yeah it's gonna be fun to watch it's gonna be the Harlem Globetrotters on ice he was voted by our colleagues as the player due for a setback uh to be fair, received eight votes of a of a possible 34, but he did lead the clubhouse. So, mm-hmm. or what? It's simple. Is Eric Carlson going to suffer a setback in 2023? So, I think in the grand scheme of things, well, yeah, he's not going to score 101 yeah. points again. Yeah. I think that's the big driving factor in this. It's why also, um, not to give it all away because I forget when it's all coming out should be in the next couple days keep an eye on the hockey on the hockey news and the team sites and all these stories and all these out outcomes of these of this voting should be coming out in a couple days but that being said of course eric carlson's gonna hit be hit with a setback he's not gonna score 101 points again (laughs) the same thing goes with i believe they also said the bruins were gonna be the team hit with the setback yeah they're not gonna break the record again and also their team got worse so yes of course these teams and this player are going to take a setback Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to figure how big of one is it going to be? That is kind of yeah. the concern here. Uh, later in the voting for those keeping score at home, uh, mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson were both um, put up. I forget where it was exactly to uh, show signs of aging, which mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby had doubtful. Um, I mean, for- other than yesterday, the pictures of him with gray hair when he was doing the season <laughs> ticket giveaway. That those are the signs of aging. If that's what they mean, then. I'm on it, but I don't, I don't know about on the ice with skill level. Right. And as for Eric Carlson, he's only 33. And I think the Penguins yeah. and their roster have shown you could do pretty good things with 33 year olds. Uh, Sidney <laughs> yeah. Crosby and Evgeny Malkin both. I trying to remember Malkin's season specifically at 33, but we can all, I mean, Sidney Crosby has yet to have a point under a point per game. So he did fine. Uh, the setbacks are going to be there because he's not going to score 100 po- 101 points. He's probably not going to win the Norris again because he'll be in a lesser role. Uh, but I think there's still that doesn't mean there's anything to worry about with Eric Carlson. He's going to bring plenty of offense. He's going to excite a lot of the fan base, and he's he's obviously going to be one of the more de- divisive uh, players on this team. Considering mm-hmm. you know you're going to. Enjoy the fact that he can bring so much offense. It, just wait for the first Yinzer to yell about his contract and that he doesn't play defense, and then the season has officially started. Yeah, exactly. Now, he, he can't win the Norris Trophy with the Pittsburgh Penguins. One, because 
you know, you just don't. And two, because we need to be able to say the only player to ever win the Norris Trophy for the Penguins is Randy Carlisle. So stupid. So We need stupid. to be able to say that. Because when you think of all the Hall of Fame defensemen, Larry Murphy, Sergey Gonchar, Chris Letang. Paul no, Coffey. No. Paul Coffey. Paul freaking Coffey. <laughs> like, the only defenseman to win the Norris Trophy with the Penguins is Randy Carlisle. It's Randy Carlisle. Yeah, and, he, okay. and you can put up the argument. Look at the numbers from that year. I don't know any of the deeper numbers. Look at the numbers from that year. He didn't have to win it that year either. No, no. It was it was not a it was not a runaway like last season for Eric Carlson. But no, the root of the question is this is a cop out. <laughs> this is this is a cop out answer here, saying that Eric Carlson is gonna set back because last year, 101 points, great season. It is the first time a defenseman has scored 101 points since Brian Leach. In 1991, you know who was a rookie in 1991? Yarmir Yager. He's playing his 35th season this year in Cladno. That's the last time a player did what Eric Carlson did last season. So, yes, is he going to suffer a setback? Uh, Odds are. Odds are, statistically, yeah. Odds are, probably. But, despite the setback... Do I think he's in for a good season? Yes. Do you think he's in for a good season? I'm going to answer for you. Yes, you do. It, it's going to be a good season. You know, stay healthy. That's the that's the that's the the predetermined factor with everybody. This is an old team, as people don't let us forget. Stay healthy. I think he's going to have a good season. I mean, we'll see how quickly he meshes with Todd Reardon's system. Mm-hmm. We'll see how quickly he meshes with whoever's defensive partner is. Probably Marcus Pedersen, but we'll we'll see Thursday. And also, not to mention how long it takes him to mesh with the power play. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish around the top of this team in scoring. I think he's guaranteed to finish in the top three. That's what I'll say right now. And I think he still probably finishes somewhere between 70 and 80 points, which is ridiculous and at the top of his game for a defenseman in the NHL today. Yeah, it's still going to be a fun season with him in the lineup. And like I mentioned, he's going to be divisive, but he's at least going to be entertaining as all hell. It's... There's going to be a lot to go into it. Yes, of course, he's going to you know take a step back, but it's also fair to say a lot of the Penguins will or could because, I mean, the Penguins are still the oldest team in the league. Uh, by like a whole year, by the way, now. I saw that number. It's, yeah. it's uh, I don't want to say embarrassing, but it's, oh boy, it's not, it's a little scary. Um, So it's fair to say that certain players will start to show their age will start to take step backs steps backwards um and that's fair that's just the way sports are once you hit certain ages that you're gonna start expecting that it's just up to them to fight off father time another year or two and yeah we're pretty confident that guys like Sidney crosby and eric carlson can do it crystal tank can do it if kenny malkin's gonna be a bit of a different question but we'll get there we'll cross that bridge when we come to it um i mean jay gensel's approaching 30 still in his 20s though so we're cool with it Brian Rust, by the way, 30. Go ahead. I'll say, by the way, yesterday, Penguins doing their deliveries to season ticket holders. Jake Gensel in slides. Ooh, that's a good start. And But he More was... Slides. Uh, but he was uh, playing I don't know. off-season hockey, and we don't like that. Remember, remember, we don't like that. <laughs> He's going to get injured out yeah. there. Mm. Um, no, it's... Everyone... It's, it's fair to see how Carlson would take a setback. However, we'll see what happens. 
Um, yeah. I think we're all confident in his abilities to still score at a very high rate. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so is he playing in a, di- in, a, in a different role as well? I think maybe that played its hand mm-hmm. uh, because he's not going to be the top guy. Uh, but you know what? Regardless, it's going to be very impactful for the Penguins. And in case you were also curious in one of these votes, because <laughs> the Penguins were, at least Eric Carlson, was at the top of a lot of them. Uh, Carlson and Dubas were both up there when it came to most impactful offseason moves. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that one again. That, that one might be a layup. Not a cop-out, but a mm-hmm. layup. Because, I mean, what dominated the headlines? Kyle Dubas at the beginning of the offseason. Eric Carlson at the end of the offseason. They really bookended it. And I'm sorry, a Thomas Tatar signing does not really break the bookend that is Eric Carlson's trade. But uh, before we head to break, I do want to ask you this. Do you think Eric Carlson could lead the Penguins in scoring this season? I know we had this discussion before. We know, we think, we know ESPN thinks he will. Um, yeah. No, I don't think so. But uh, he could make it close. You said top three, and I could see that as well. Just because mm-hmm. the assumption will always go to Sidney Crosby. Even yes. if we're adding a 101-point player who, yeah, Eric Carlson did score more than any Penguin last year, but um, different strokes this year. Eric Carlson mm-hmm. will be on a different role, probably second line, probably first power play unit, but we'll see how it goes. Um, I could see, yeah, I could see I could see third. I could see third or fourth, depending on mm-hmm. how Evgeny Malkin does, probably sliding in at second, depending on how Jake Gensel does this year. That dude's in a contract year now. Yeah. So I'd say maybe he slides into third if he really outperforms himself. Yeah. It, here, here's my thing, and it's going to be close in my eyes because it's it really it's going to be between those three and maybe Jake Ansel. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how how many you know goals he's able to put up. But when Eric Carlson scores anything, whether it be an assist or a point or a goal, it's likely that Malkin and Crosby are on the ice and involved in the play. So it, it's really just going to be. Who could do the most without the other? Like, who gets the most points with Chris Letang? That's who's probably going to lead the Penguins in scoring. But, you know, again, this is not, not official prediction time. We'll do that closer to the open of the season, which is, what, 20-some days away? It was 26 uh, last weekend at some point. Preseason so less than, five days, so there's that. There's that. Pre, the Penguins play a preseason game in five days. You'll see some actual, not actual, I shouldn't say that. I, I loved watching the Prospect Challenge. I really had a good weekend watching that. But uh, you're going to see guys like maybe Brian Rust or Carter Kell get back on the ice. Certainly a Mark Friedman. He's a preseason hero, uh, which we should talk about, uh, but not right now. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting that it's already September 19th. Like, I can't believe that. It, it's, it's, it's been a crazy year, and it's flown by, and I'm ready for hockey to start. But you have something to say. It was, this was a quick month. This, this month. It was a quick month. August took its time, but this, something about September. Oh. Something about September. I feel like I saw some 41 in the offspring on September 1st. I feel like that was last week. That's why September moves fast. Why did I miss what you were doing? Oh, yeah. That's fair. (laughs) Football, you know, it helps because you actually have a real sport. Sorry, baseball. You have a real sport that people want to watch and want to follow along with. Maybe if, you know, me and Joe Buck weren't so disturbed by the Pittsburgh Pirates, then... (laughs) then maybe it would have been an easier easier get. You know when my, my interest really dipped? When O'Neal Cruz got hurt in like the third week of the season. So yeah, that was like four games in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Freaking White Sox. I'll never, I'll never thank them for that. But hey, listen, I will say this before we head to break. Coming into the year, opening day for the Pittsburgh Pirates, some guy saw me in a Pirates jersey and he said, hey, 
winning record this season. I said, I'll be happy with 73 wins. Getting close. (laughs) Getting close. Getting close to that 73 win mark. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. I I don't know when we turned into around the 412 talking about every single freaking sport in Pittsburgh. So pit uh, football, not good. Yeah, Phil Jerkovich, big baby. <laughs> so, or whatever, however you say his name, I really don't care. You I'm not get Stephen Thompson on to talk some pit football. Exactly, but uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, the Penguins announced broadcasting lineup. Uh, we're gonna talk about that right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News, who aren't fans of Eric Carlson, as we just talked about. But, uh, oh, oh well, you know, we we like being the underdogs in Pittsburgh, and I'm sure the Penguins will take that mantra and just run with it this season. Uh, but the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously the big news of the offseason when it comes to the actual business of the Pittsburgh Penguins, other than arena upgrades, which I'm interested to see. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins did acquire the regional sports network, AT&T Sportsnet, rebranded it to Sportsnet Pittsburgh, and proceeded to put the people that they want in the chairs in front of the television. And part of that was a complete reshuffle of the on-air talent. On the radio, Steve Mears returns. This makes me very happy. This makes me very pleased. I'm glad Steve Mears is sticking around. Obviously, the Pittsburgh kid, we talked about him uh, when the unfortunate news arose that he was fired uh, as the television play-by-play announcer, but uh, good to see Mearsy back. He'll be joining Phil Bork, longtime color analyst, staying in the radio booth, so Mearsy and Bork on the radio, and then Paul Steigerwald will continue as pre- and post-game host for the Penguins Radio Network. Also got to mention, because it wasn't in the, the main press release, but he's our buddy. We're going to get him on the show here in the next couple weeks. Brian Metzer, still doing intermission reports. Uh, gotta love it. Congratulations, Mets. Uh, we got to get him on here to talk about it. <laughs> Obviously, Brian Metzer, salt of the earth. You cannot find anybody that has a bad word to say about Brian Metzer. So, obviously, happy for Mets to get back in the booth there as well. On television, this is where things are going to look a little bit different. Dan Potash, one of the things we mentioned whenever the, the layoffs were happening, Dan Potash got to keep his position. Well, turns out he will be in a different position, moving to the analyst desk to be studio host for Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Obviously well-deserved, obviously something that, you know, who knows if it's something he wanted or not, but I, I will miss seeing him interact uh, with the players as well. I'm sure he'll be just interacting in a different and new way. I mean... Um, well, yeah, I'm sure <clears throat> practice, I'm sure, you know, in the locker room... You know, but I think it's interesting that they ended up moving him there. I wonder if that's something that he wanted. Obviously, we'll never know. You know, maybe you could ask him, but at the end of the day, that's a personal question. Maybe he just, you know, he's been traveling with this team for how long? Maybe he just wanted a season where he could, you know, stay at home and just just go to the studio and do his job. So, you know, congratulations on what appears to be, obviously, uh, appears to be a, a nice bump up the ladder for Dan Potash. Yeah, it's a well-deserved one. Like, like you mentioned, he'd been here for a while. I was talking with him during the season. Um, he mentioned that he'd started oh, in Pittsburgh, in the city, around the time, I want to say it was 2001. Because mm-hmm. he, he mentioned it was around the time Willie Stargell passed away. So, yeah, since about 2001. And boy, oh boy. Yeah, he. I mean, not only just... And here's the thing. He's been working with the Penguins and the Pirates that whole yeah. time, too. Yeah, in a much less role with the Pirates. But still 
doing things there. So even his summers have been full of TV work and what would you call it there? Field side work. It's not really sideline work there. Um, but he's been doing rinkside work and some baseball work for the last 20 plus years. Yeah. The, yeah. the guy deserves some time in the studio and uh, he's going to crush it there. He's one of the best in the business when it comes to uh, being on camera and one of the, just one of the greatest guys, hilarious to be around and uh, good person to talk to. So it, that's mm-hmm. a well-deserved promotion for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, plus sometimes nothing against him too, but sometimes you just need the fresh face. Right, just the way it goes. <laughs> it really is just the way it goes sometimes, and yeah, it, there'll be some two new ones, sort of. Especially with, especially with the rebranding and everything, mm-hmm. and, and you know how Nesson is, and most people in Boston area will understand this. Nesson is a very you know unique situation across all major sports, right? It is the Boston centric regional sports network. Where Pittsburgh, yeah, they had AT and T Sports, but it was part of a bigger conglomeration. That's why you got like Robbie Ikemikowski doing Pirates games and also I think it did like Rockies games one se- one summer. I w- it was weird. But this is Sportsnet Pittsburgh. It's going to be devoted solely to Pittsburgh. It's owned by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that's the big thing. The big change is it's owned by the team. So you mentioned a fresh face. That's Haley Hunter who is hired as the new rinkside reporter. The only real new face to be put on screen and in front of the public uh, as of yet as of yet because we haven't had the full rundown yet uh, Haley Hunter hired as the new ringside reporter obviously uh, a vast history in golf reporting but also said her father played for the Penguins in the 80s uh, I should have looked up who it was but hey uh, grew up a Penguins fan so obviously we need to do a little bit more uh, research on Haley Hunter but uh, congratulations to Haley welcome to Pittsburgh and then there is uh, Big JG Josh gets off, gets the big chair, new play-by-play announcer on television. We're actually going to talk to him on Thursday's episode. We'll get his reaction. Uh, we'll get his opinions on the Pittsburgh Penguins he- headed into the season. So make sure you tune into Thursday's episode as we talk to new Penguins play-by-play announcer for Sportsnet Pittsburgh, Josh Getzoff. But before we go, there's one chair that is yet to be filled, at least one major mm-hmm. position that is yet to be filled by Sportsnet Pittsburgh. That's the color analyst for the television broadcast. Who's going to be sitting next to Josh Getzoff during Penguins games this season? Now, there's been a lot of names that have floated around. There's three that we have talked about extensively, you know, off the podcast. um, And they're all from the 2009 Stanley Cup team. Um, But Horwat, if you had to pick an odds on favorite right now, who would you say is most likely to get that position as color analyst next to Josh Getzoff. Wait, I'm thinking of the names that we've been discussing. Who? Wait. <laughs> One of them comes from that team. Because <laughs> my, cause my oh, odds wait, on favorite is... Two? Okay, because my odds on favorite Maybe. is Colby Armstrong. He was uh, very clearly not on that team. He was not on the team. That's right. Uh, I just... I, I put I put him with that era, and I think it, <clears throat> it, got, it got combined. But yeah, you're right. You're right. My bad. Colby Armstrong not on that team, but yes. But certainly a favorite. My certainly my favorite for that uh, choice. Just he's been working with the AT and T Sports Center for a couple years now. Been doing a ton of national stuff. Got that new podcast with uh, Spit and Chicklets. Good stuff all around from Colby. He's a good face to have there. My second choice, uh, Mike Rupp, also not on that team, but doing a ton of national stuff with the mm-hmm. NHL Network. Um, and again, couple seasons with AT and T. So good little fit there. 
And I threw this one out there just for fun, uh, and it could work because he's done a little bit of broadcast work during French during a French Day, whatever it was actually called. Called a couple of plays in the in the uh, PA booth. Uh, Max Talbot, no, very mm-hmm. notably on that team, could be a fun option. Definitely a long shot, but could be a fun option yeah. if he's willing to get into that sort of role. I mean, we know he's got the personality for it. I think uh, mm-hmm. it's a name to consider as a long shot, but definitely, if he wants it, an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another name, This he played on the 2009 team, this guy. Uh, Pascal Dupuy, I think, would be good okay. at this. He would yeah, be. I, yeah, I think... I think Pascal Dupuis would be good at this. Again, not sure what the interest level is. He really hasn't been, you know, in the public eye since retiring back in 2016. So uh, I'm not sure how, what his interest level, but I think that that's something that he would be good at. But no, you mentioned the three there. Uh, Army, Mike Rupp, and Max Talbot. Those three, I, I think, would be really, really solid options. Again, Mike Rupp is a seasoned broadcaster at this point. Yeah. Obviously, he has That's Hockey Talk with the Pat McAfee Network. Uh, obviously, he's on NHL Network all the time. Obviously, he's worked with ATT Sportsnet. He's been around the building. You know, Mike Rupp has done really well for himself uh, in his post-playing career, not to mention the fact that he had a really good playing career uh, as well. But, you know, I do think that Colby Armstrong, I, I agree, would be probably the best option. Uh, I-, I think just for the fit, for the stories, for his proximity to the players. Not that Rupp doesn't have proximity to the players, but you know Armstrong and Crosby have a have a bond that would really add to the broadcast. Not to say that that's why the hire should be made, because you're hoping to hire out for more years past Crosby's career. You're hoping to not be like, yeah, we'll hire him for the next five, and then you know when Crosby retires, we can get that. That's not how they're going to operate, but it's a nice added bonus. I do think the fan favorite though would be Max Talbot. Yeah, yeah, and. If we're picking from the spit and chicklets pool, man, wouldn't it be hilarious if we somehow got Paul Bissonette out of the national booth? For some reason, I thought you were about to say Matt Murley, and I was like, oh. Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting choice, too, actually. Because <laughs> uh, he's at least, I don't know how to put it, a, a smaller name that you wouldn't have to pay as much. I mean, Bissonette at this point is going to demand. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you can't afford biz. And you Ra- can't afford biz. Yeah, and also, there's just no way Ryan Whitney has any interest I feel like he's no. he's set and he's set with what he's got. Uh, Matt Murray is his tea times. Yeah, he can't his tea times, and he probably doesn't want to travel anymore. As the although Matt Murray, a name I forgot about, that's actually a fun option too. Yeah, I think he does a good job with chicklets. Yeah. Now again, it, does that translate into a color analyst job, which is on television three hours a night, four nights a week for out you know throughout six months? that's a different question you know that's why I, I think probably a guy like Colby who's who's kind of been around the grind been around you know that broadcast booth in particular I mean you know worked with Mirzi he's worked with you know he's worked with Potash he's worked with all these guys he's been around Pittsburgh um, basically for the past two seasons a whole heck of a lot so you know whoever it is you know it'll be interesting to see it's going to be brand new all the way around so uh, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe we'll try to get that out of Josh on Thursday. <laughs> just, just ask him. Like, so, who are some of the candidates? Who's up here? Uh, and who Josh, knows? Josh, who would you like to see sitting next to you this season? Yeah, and we would assume. <laughs> here's the thing, too, as well, though. We will be talking to him soon. Uh, it's very possible we have the answer by then because yeah, there's a chance. Games start on Sunday. Like I said, the g- preseason games start in five days. There are two of them that yeah. day, so we don't know how broadcasting will work yet. But I mean. There, there are the games very soon. Oh wait, never mind. Sorry, the uh, 
Sportsnet Pittsburgh's debuts October 2nd in Nova Scotia. So yeah. we, they have that time, at least. I'm sure the first two games will be radio calls. We'll get to hear Mirzi again. And also, in case you were curious, they did put uh, Haley Hunter's father's name in the release. I did also throw it into my story. Tim, uh, last name I can't pronounce, H-R-Y-N-E-W-I-C-H. H-R, I, I, listen, I can't, I can't yep. put that together in my head. Uh, he played 55 games in the 80s with us. Uh, it's the only, we're, we are the only NHL team he's played for, though. So for those Puck Doku fans, there's a fun one for you. Okay, what would the cross be? Penguins and uh, played less than 100 played, games? Played with just one team. Sometimes oh. you get that option. Yeah, well, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't recite back to. You. So yeah, check out the uh, the story horror written wrote to get the actual spelling uh, of Haley Hunter's father's name. Yes. But uh, no, that's gonna do it for this episode. We will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts from, or you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. We'll see you next time.